today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Let's get into the Word of God tonight. Uh, In the first chapter of Romans, Paul is dealing with the Gentile world who had basically rejected God altogether. Romans 1 verse 21, uh, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. If you look down at verse 28, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, and God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So by and large, the Gentile world rejected God. Now, here in the second chapter of Romans, Paul begins to deal with the Jewish world, God's chosen people. They considered themselves to be the elite race of the world because God had given them the law through Moses. And in their minds, they thought they were keeping it. And they thought that also gave them the right to judge others. But Paul comes along in Romans 2 and verse 1 and said, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. He's telling them that you're no better than the Gentiles. And now he's beginning to lay some groundwork here, and he's leading up to a point. And that point is found over in Romans 3 and verse 23, a very familiar verse of Scripture. And this is the point he's trying to make. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Makes no difference whether you're a Jew or Gentile, black, white, Hispanic, Japanese, Chinese. Makes no difference. All have sin. And in this one verse, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, uh, places the whole human race in the same boat, pretty much. And because of that, none of us have a right to judge anybody else. Now, in Romans 2, verse 2, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Only God can judge. He sees all. He knows all. He sees right through to the heart of the human being. He knows why we do what we do. And his judgment is going to be against sin and those who commit it. All sin will be judged by God, and it's going to be judged according to truth. What is truth? Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you want to know what the truth is, the truth is Jesus Christ. The judgment of God will be according to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It all depends on whether or not we've accepted Christ as our Savior or not. Only those who've accepted Christ as their Savior is going to escape the wrath and the judgment of God. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 9, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9, For God has not appointed us, speaking of you and I, those of us who were saved, for God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But the uh, Jews rejected Christ. They thought they were automatically saved because they were born Jewish. And John the Baptist and the Lord himself dealt with this problem in the 23rd chapter of Matthew. Uh, the Lord evermore shells it down. I mean, he's really telling them off there in that chapter. Um, I don't know of a preacher anywhere that preached as hard as Jesus did in that one chapter. He closed it out, Matthew 23, verse 33. He called them a bunch of serpents. He said, you serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Now, that's some hard preaching right there. And Paul comes along and basically asks the same question. If you'll look in Romans 2 and verse 3. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? You see, the sin of the Jews was far worse than that of the Gentiles. The Gentiles had knowledge of God as it pertains to creation. And that was the extent of the light that they had was through creation, and they rejected it. But the Jews had far more light than what the Gentiles had. I mean, they had been given the law of God. They'd been given the word of God through Moses. And then Jesus came on the scene. And, I mean, he, the light was right there in front of them. The Jews of that day, they knew the Word of God. Their little 12-year-old boys could repeat the entire book of Leviticus, and uh, word for word, incidentally. So they knew the Word of God backwards and forwards and sideways, and yet when Jesus came on the scene, they crucified him. They rejected him. Paul's asking the question here, how do you think that you can escape the judgment of God. Uh, verse 4 of Romans 2, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering? The word forbearance means to hold back. Long suffering means to be patient and slow in avenging wrongs. In other words, God's judgment may be slow, but it is coming. But the Jews didn't think they had done anything wrong. They thought they had done God a service when they crucified Christ. They despised and looked down their noses at the riches and the goodness of God. In their minds, they thought God owed them. Let me tell you something. God don't owe us anything. 
latter part of verse 4, and knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God was being gracious and merciful to the Jews. He was being long-suffering and uh, showing his forbearance to them. He was giving them an opportunity to repent. Gave them plenty of time to repent. Some few did, but sad to say, many did not. Verse 5 of Romans 2. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart. Impenitent means unrepentant. It carries the idea of a haughty, self-righteous, stubborn attitude that refuses to believe or see. The Jews, like I said, saw no need to repent. They thought they had done God a service by crucifying Christ. As a result, their hearts became hardened toward God. They were actually in rebellion against God. While all the time, latter part of verse 5 says, they were treasuring up unto themselves wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now, the word treasuring up, I want you to look at that for just a minute, means to increase or to store up. In this case, it's referring to judgment and wrath. The judgment and the wrath of God was building up over the Jews at this time. They were in rebellion against God. They had crucified Christ. They looked at the blessings of God as being, you know, God owes us for what we've done, and they would not repent. Like I said, they saw no need to repent. And the judgment of God was building up. I look at the current situation here in America today. We've taken prayer out of the schools, and we've kicked God out. We continue to murder millions of babies in abortion clinics across this nation. And if that ain't bad enough, now we're allowing them to make money by selling their little body parts. We took the Ten Commandments down from our courtrooms because that might offend people. We can't display a nativity scene at Christmas time in public anymore because that might offend people. You can't say Merry Christmas anymore, that might offend people. These things are done, but nobody cares whether it offends God or not. President Obama continually makes decisions that affect Israel in a negative way. We've opened our doors to thousands of Muslim refugees to come into our country, but send thousands of Christian refugees back to their homes to a certain death. Our government has balled up its fist in the face of God by allowing same-sex marriages. It's now promoted as a good thing, and anyone who says anything negative or refuses to participate can be charged with a hate crime. Now it's the House Bill 2. We're going down that slippery slope, and Haven read something to me last night. It's already in the works. Just as the... Gay rights advocates pushed in this law saying that they were born that way and they have the right to marry someone of the same sex. You now have pedophiles 
that are coming up saying that they were born that way. Their desire is toward little children. They cannot help uh, the way they were born, and they have the right now to marry little children and whatever the case. What laws are there now to protect the children? And then we see what they've allowed to take place in our public schools now, allowing boys to go in girls' restrooms and whatever the case. It's a slippery slope that we're going down, folks. And God is being long-suffering toward us. And he's showing his forbearance to us. God is rich in his goodness and mercy. I mean, we've had blessing upon blessing here in this nation. And these things keep taking place. We should be allowing these things to draw us to repentance, to repent before God. But instead of that, we keep going the way that we're going. We're treasuring up to ourselves wrath and judgment. The judgment of God is coming. And Paul was telling the Jews here that the judgment of God is coming. About 12 years after Paul wrote the book of Romans, uh, the Romans came in and leveled Jerusalem, fulfilling the scripture that Jesus said when he was standing outside the temple. He told the disciples, they, they were walking around the temple and the disciples were talking about how beautiful it was. It was one of the most uh, beautiful structures of that day. And Jesus said, marvel not at these things. I tell you, not one stone will be left upon another. And it came to pass exactly as Jesus said in 70 A.D. So many Jews were crucified, just as the Jews crucified Christ. Let me tell you something. The way you judge, God said it will be measured back unto you. And a lot of the Jews were taken as prisoners and uh, used as slaves and scattered all over the world at that time. God judged Israel for their sin. And you notice here time and time again, we're going to see it here in just a few minutes, Paul uses the term to the Jews first and then also to the Gentiles. The Jews were the first one to experience the judgment of God. Like I said, they had far more light as it pertains to God than what the Gentiles had, and their judgment came quickly. And if God judged his own chosen people, how much more will he judge us? That's something to think about. And don't think just because we're living in the age of grace that his grace covers everything. Judgment will come. My question is this. Will it take place during the tribulation period? In other words, will God rapture the church out before some of these things take place? I don't know. Someone asked the question, where is America as it pertains to Bible prophecy? It's not there. It might be that America is not here at the time these events take place. We've got a lot to pray about. I think right now the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only saving grace of this nation. 
I want you to think about what I've just said. The cross of Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing that is saving this nation right now. Thank God that the gospel is still one of the greatest exports of this nation. The gospel is. But I'm afraid that that is on the decline. And we as the church need to do all that we can to get the gospel out. We need to make God's problem our problem. And if we'll make God's problem our problem, then he'll take our problem and make it his problem. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these other things will be added unto you. All right, Romans 2, verse 6. Who will render to every man according to his deeds? Now, we learn several things from this one verse. Number one, it shoots down the idea of a sinning salvation. While none of us is perfect because we still have a sin nature, nowhere in the Bible are we given a license to sin. Every man will be judged according to his deeds. Number two, the phrase every man includes women as well. It means that nobody is exempt. Now, when Paul wrote this, he was speaking to the Jews, God's chosen people. And we see how God judged them. Like I said, we had better take notice. The deeds that are mentioned here is referring to those things which have not been forgiven. Now, God is ready to forgive, cleanse, and wash our sins away. 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. However, if we do not ask forgiveness, let me say this. The moment you do something wrong, the Holy Spirit is there to tug at your heart and let you know that you've done something wrong. He'll let you know. Yeah, when you do something wrong and you don't feel bad about it, then you ain't saved. I mean, as simple as that. Uh, the moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside. He, he leads, He guides, he, he directs. And like I said, the moment we do wrong, the Holy Spirit will point it out, and we need to ask forgiveness of that thing. If we do not ask forgiveness of that thing, then that deed uh, will be judged. Now, only a person who hardens their heart in rebellion toward God would do such a thing. So, if you love God, if you're saved and you love the Lord, like I said, when you do wrong, it, 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 it tears your insides out. You, you hate that thing. You, you go to the Lord and you, you repent over that thing. You know, we look at repentance as being a one-time thing. We come to the altar and we got saved whenever it was. And repentance is a state that the Christian should constantly stay in. Let me say that again. As a Christian, you should remain in a state of repentance all the time. Um, I baptized one of Haven's friends this past Friday and... Um, I read a few scriptures from 
right here in the book of Romans, the sixth chapter. And I made the statement that kind of got their attention a little bit. I said, if I go over there and slap Dana and don't ask her to forgive me, <laughs> first of all, I'm going to pick myself up off the floor. <laughs> But if I mistreat her, how long do you think that relationship will last? We're married to Christ. And when we offend him in any way, we should go to him and get that thing right. Sin messes up our relationship with God, and we need to ask him to forgive us of that thing. And, and also, if this thing keeps occurring, reoccurring, then that shows that there's a weakness there and you're going to have to go before the Lord and say Lord I've got a problem here and you're going to have to help me to overcome this thing now the devil ain't going to quit he's going to keep tempting you you know he's found the bait that you just chomp down on it's like fishing and you're out there fishing and you're trying to catch that bass you keep changing the lures till you find what he's biting and if he's biting a black worm then that's what you keep throwing out there and you'll catch a bunch of them uh, but you got to find what the fish are wanting and the devil likes to go fishing as it pertains to the Christian and when you bite down on a particular temptation and you continue to do it he's going to keep on throwing that bait out there and that just shows where your weakness is and we just got to ask the Lord to help us and strengthen us in that particular area whatever it is all right now also the word deeds refers to both good and bad as God judges the bad he'll also reward the good salvation is only received by faith it's maintained by faith but I also want to stress here that our good works are very important. You're not saved by works, but God does reward our good works, and they have to be done in the right motive. And, of course, God sees right through and knows that. The judgment of the believer will be based on one question. When you stand before the Lord one day as a believer, you'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ. When you stand before him one day to give an account, we will not be judged as it pertains to sin. Now understand that. Like I said, if you commit a sin, you ask the Lord to forgive you of that thing. It's just, just real quick. In your heart, Lord, forgive me, help me. He's promised that he will do it. When we stand before him one day, we will not be judged for sins because Jesus took all of our sins upon himself when he died on Calvary's cross. When he was buried in that tomb, uh, the Bible says we were baptized into Christ. We were baptized into his death, buried with him by baptism in the death. In the mind of God, when Jesus died on the cross, we died with him. When he was buried in the tomb, all of our sins, whether they be past, present, or future, uh, was buried into that tomb with him. So when we stand before God one day, we'll not have to give an account of sins, but we will have to give an account 
as to what we've done with the great gift of salvation that God has given to us. And we'll be rewarded accordingly. Last of all, I want you to notice there uh, in verse 6 the term his deeds. His deeds. Meaning that responsibility or blame cannot be shifted to others. And that's kind of the definition of repentance. When we've done wrong, we need to own up to it. We need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, it's my fault. I'm the one that messed up. And not try to blame somebody else. Well, if they hadn't got in my face, I wouldn't have lost my temper. No, that's no excuse. You're trying to blame somebody else for your own shortcomings and sins. That won't work. When you've done wrong, regardless of what it was that may or may not have caused you to do wrong, you need to ask the Lord to forgive you of that thing and not blame others for it. Um, A good example of that is Adam and Eve in the garden. God said, Adam, what have you done? Did you partake of that tree that I told you not to? Well, that woman you gave me. He was trying to blame Eve. Then he goes to Eve. Eve, oh, well, that serpent over there beguiled me, and I've, it, it, it don't work. Trying to blame somebody else for your own shortcomings has no effect on God or God's judgment. We all will be, a judge, uh, be judged according to our own uh, deeds, as it says there, his deeds. The bottom line is simply this. We're all going to reap what we sow. All right, now the next few verses here in Romans, Paul tells us what that reaping is going to be. Romans 2, verse 7, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing. I want you to understand something here. God recognizes No well-doing other than what His Son Jesus Christ did at Calvary. There is no well-doing that God will recognize other than that. We are to continue in His well-doing. So this verse here is referring to those of us who are trusting in Christ. We're not trusting in our well-doing. We're trusting in what Jesus has already done for us. We seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Now, these are the things that we're going to reap if we continue patiently in the faith. Notice what it said there. Patient continuance. All right, verse 8. But unto them that are contentious... And do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. This is referring to those who have rejected Christ. They're going to reap indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. All the problems that we have in the world can be laid at the feet of those who are contending with God. And most of the world out here is contending with God. They refuse to obey the truth. Whether it be a Jew or a Gentile makes no difference. 
And as I've stated many times before, had the Jews accepted Christ as their Messiah, Rome was standing in line to crucify him. The Jews did not have to do what they did. They could have accepted Christ. He is our king. The Romans would have come in, they would have took Christ, they would have crucified him. He would have died for the sins of mankind. He would have rose from the dead the third day. The millennium could have started right then. But because Jesus Christ was rejected, rejected by his own people, it has subjected this world to an additional 2,000 years of anguish, tribulation, pain, hurt, wickedness. The list goes on and on and on. But glory and honor, verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. In the midst of this world of tribulation and anguish, God is good to those that trust him. And then in verse 11, he said, for there is no respect of persons with God. Now, that refers right back up to verse 6. And it makes no difference whether it's a Jew or Gentile. God is going to judge every man according to his deeds. program today has been a blessing to you. We hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.